We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host, as always. Uh, joining me today for a special edition of the Guilty as Charged podcast is my good friend Ryan Dyrud, host and creator of the LA Football Network. Good friend, as I mentioned, uh, kind of my boss at LEFB. But Ryan, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing today? What's up, brother? It's uh, good to be with you. you no, know, I was I was getting a little hurt because you guys had me on when Brandon <laughs> Staley was hired, and I haven't been back since. I don't know what I did wrong, but happy to be back <laughs> with you. You guys are crushing it. Uh, and no, I'm not your boss. We're we're just colleagues. But glad to glad to be on talking Chargers. So thanks, man. Yeah, man. Of course, happy to have you. It's been a minute. I know we did a uh, uh, a couple things with the Brandon Staley hiring and stuff like that. So. Uh, you know, very happy with, you know, our relationship and our, my, our personal, you know, friendship for sure. Um, So we're going to talk about the draft and and kind of where the chargers uh, could go from here. But this is, uh, this is your first draft that you're attending in person. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. First one. Excited about it. This will be, uh, this will be my first draft as well. So, uh, you know, kind of before we get started, what are you guys over at LAFB uh, have planned for this weekend? Yeah, man, we're stoked. I mean, obviously you guys are going to be out there and you're part of LAFB. And I feel like um, Tyler and Alex are kind of like infiltrated in a way too, even (laughs) though they're not technically. So I think we'll all be doing stuff together, which will be fun. But, um, you know, we, you know, we're doing obviously like probably everyone out there doing shows, live shows all throughout uh, each, each day, each three days, we'll have people in the media workroom as well. Uh, we're talking with, um, a couple different of the casinos about actually doing live shows like in the casino, which I think could be fun if it, if it all works out, we'll see it, it could be interesting or not, but, um, yeah, just, just draft coverage. We're going to do some social stuff, uh, with fans that are there and, you know, we're staying right in the action, right on the strip. So, um, you know, we were looking, I think I was talking to you about it before we were looking at, you know, Airbnbs to go out there and kind of have like a, a draft house, if you will. And I'm sure just because of the draft being there, it's really popular, but it's like the the closest thing that was even worth renting was like 15 miles away. I'm like, well, that's not worth it. I'd rather just be on the strip and be in the action. So, so we'll be down there hanging out and, um, you know, working, covering the draft, having some beers, having a good time. So Vegas can't wait to be there. Excited to see you guys there too. 
I know, man. It's going to be so exciting. And uh, my <laughs> Brooke was making fun of me the other day because, you know, I'm, I'm taking work off uh, from my regular job and going out here with Tyler and Arjun's going to be there and you guys, of course. And I'm like, oh, this is the first time that's out west. Like, this is I've always wanted to go to the draft. It's always yeah. been, you know, something that I've wanted to do. But it's always been in New York or Cleveland or, you know what I mean? Like, so this is yeah. the first time that it's out west. And, you know, just thankfully have a situation where I can go. So uh, really excited to get out there, like you mentioned. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, it was supposed to be in Vegas, remember, two years ago in 2020. Yeah. Um, and so at the time when it was announced, uh, my wife was pregnant with my daughter. And and so I was like, OK, I'm going to try to go. And then it, and then her due date ended up being May 2nd. And the draft with that year was like the 25th or something. I'm like, it's probably cutting it a little <laughs> close. So I was like, dang, I'm like, dang, like, I don't think I can go. So I kind of like, okay, I'll just, you know, cover the draft from home. And then, you know, whoever knows my situation, she ended up coming five weeks early, was born May 29th. So I was like, all right, cool. Like now I can probably go to the draft. And then literally like 24 hours later, the world shut down and the draft ended up going virtual. So now I'm glad we're going to go this year. It all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, we finally get to uh, years later. For the draft. We got it, baby. Um, and it'll be, I'm sure it'll be in LA soon enough too. So yeah. Yeah, I think next year, right, it's supposed to be uh, Kansas City and then mm-hmm. Detroit after that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, they just announced Detroit. That's right. So then... hopefully L.A. after that. I think I think the cool thing that will be unique for them doing it in L.A. is that so, that SoFi Stadium has that YouTube theater built right into it. Mm-hmm. So they could do everything for the draft right at SoFi Stadium, which I think would be you know, a very unique draft mm-hmm. experience for for casual nfl fans so i'm curious now not to not to hijack your your show here but we actually we were talking to the la tourism commissioner at uh at uh, super bowl about this but if the draft does come here do you think they would do it at SoFi, or do you think they'd choose like an iconic place like santa monica pier or the hollywood bowl or like some la iconic thing to do it at because you know these cities try to like showcase something right about I'd be, I I wonder, what, what do you think? I would hope that they would just do it at SoFi. I mean, they did the NFL award show there, and I feel like it was, uh, you know, a fantastic event. Um, I mean, Santa Monica Pier is just kind of gross now. <laughs> it's just yeah. not what it used to be. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, I would hope that they would just do it at SoFi. It'd be convenient for most people. The NFL Network uh, office is right there, too. So I would think that it would just be easier for everybody at the at SoFi. Yeah, it would. He, so he brought up, there's a brand new, which I haven't visited yet. I'm supposed to, I was supposed to go a few weeks ago, but didn't end up being able to make it. But they opened the new uh, motion picture, like museum, basically, basically the the Academy Awards Museum in Hollywood. Okay. And it's super cool. Like it's a huge museum. It's got like this giant like ball dome. And it's kind of like, it, it really embolizes what like LA is in terms of, you know, Tinseltown and Hollywood. So, so he was saying like, that would be a cool spot. I don't know what the spacing would be like but yeah i don't know a lot of interesting thought a lot of interesting areas you could do it at It'd be fun yeah absolutely excited to see how that kind of pans out shifting gears here of course to talk about uh you know what is really potentially happening with the chargers you know we had some uh, a little interesting a few interesting nuggets from tom telesco today at his press conference uh, you know tom of course always playing things close to the vest but Um, Talking about trading up, trading down, and and really kind of weighing the cost there. Do you ultimately think the Chargers could potentially trade up, or do you think it's more likely that they uh, trade down if you had to choose between the two? 
Oh, yeah, it's it's a fun topic to talk about. I'm sure you guys have talked about it nauseam. I know we all have. I'm, I'm surprised Charger fans still want to hear about it, but that's absolutely. We got three more <laughs> days to just beat this thing in. Yeah. You know, I I lean towards my personal belief that they stay put, but, you know, hearing what, like you said, what Tom Telesco said and kind of hearing this stuff come out about Brandon Staley, like really loves Jamison Williams and obviously most likely would need a trade up to get him. Um, I, it would be, I've seen some mocks where he falls to 17 and obviously, you know, all bets are off once the draft starts because there's going to be something crazy that happens. But uh, a guy like that or one of the tackles that they, outside of Trevor Penning, which I know you hope they take at 17. <laughs> um, Don't put that out there, man. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to clip that myself and just put that out there. Um, so of the top, t- you know, Charles Cross and, and uh, you know, the Alabama tackle, Evan Neal and stuff like that, they would probably have to trade up to get. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely like a possibility. Um, but considering they don't have that second rounder and I think because of where the team is at right now and with what they did in free agency, to me, it kind of makes more sense to go just kind of stay put or trade back, which they probably definitely won't do, but kind of piggybacking off that. And you know, you can tell I host my own show cause I'll pose a question to you then. Like I would not be opposed considering where this team is in win now mode in like a Super Bowl window. I wouldn't be opposed to them if they traded next year's first plus this year's first to move up. Like, I, I think I don't want to see them get rid of their third or fourth or fifth this year, because I think they need those to kind of build on yeah. this roster. But if they think they're in a win now mode, meaning next year's pick is probably going to be 25th or later anyway. Like I would not be opposed to them taking 17 next year's first and then moving up into the top 12 and getting one of those premier tackles or that premier receiver. So I don't know your thoughts on that, but if they move up, I like that move better than a bundle of picks this year to move up. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about trading up for a tackle. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Charles Cross. I think he is the third, you know, best tackle in this class. And to me, there's just a really big, significant drop off from him to whoever you think the fourth tackle is. You know, I know there there's a lot of fans of Trevor Penning out there. And even if you are optimistic about Trevor Penning's immediate future, I would still think that somebody like Charles Cross and Trevor Penning, there's a a significant gap between the two. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've said before on our show and on LAFB articles, I think Abraham Lucas for me is the fourth best tackle in this class, but I have, you know, a first round grade on Cross and a low third round grade on Lucas. So, I mean, I like Lucas a lot and I would be comfortable with the Chargers taking him if he's there in the third round, but that gap is just so big in my opinion. So I'm okay trading Next year's first for one of the premier offensive tackles. I think that is worth it. I would also at least consider maybe Derek Stingley. You know, we've heard uh, through a couple people that they really, really, really like Derek Stingley and have him uh, incredibly high was the way that uh, our source put it to us, which to me made it seem like he's a top three player on their board. Um, So that would be okay for me. I'm not trading a future first for a receiver. Mm-hmm. when you could probably just stick and pick a receiver at 17. Maybe it's an Olave. Maybe it's a Jahan Dotson, whoever kind of is higher on their board. I don't really feel like there's that much of a difference between the two where I would consider trading a future first to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that too. Just because there's so much, you know, depth at receiver. So like yeah. why, unless you're absolutely in love with Jamison Williams, which you know, I know some people are, I'm not as much in that camp to trade a first for him, but yeah, the tackles, right. cause then you're set, right? You're booking tackles with Slater and whether it's cross or one of the other guys you're set. And, and you really then can take the rest of the draft to just fill out 
depth really uh maybe get a you know an edge guy or a backer later on but uh, yeah i i would feel much more comfortable trading a first for a, a tackle than trading you know a third and a fourth to move up to 15 or six or like 13 or 14 and yeah. take our chances there i just think you need those back end picks this year no i think if in terms of trading up you know a few spots i think the chargers are just in a, in a tough spot because they don't have that second round pick which is something that tom telesco talked about so I mean, like, let's say, you know, you're trading up to 12 with the Vikings for, you know, whoever you want to target. Maybe Derek Stingley falls. Maybe you are a big fan of Jordan Davis or whatever. You know, you're trading up to 12. I think you're ideally coming to the table, coming to the table and saying, hey, we'll give you next year's second rounder. Mm. But then you look at a team like the Chiefs and the Packers who have multiple first round picks, the Steelers who could potentially be looking to move up for a quarterback. They actually have a second round pick. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think the Chargers are in a tough spot when it comes to trading up in the draft, even if it's just, you know, four or five spots. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, which I don't think I hope anyway, no one's upset about when you get Khalil Mack. Like, I, I hope they're not like, <laughs> right. oh, man, I wish we had that second round pick back. Yeah. Um, and ideally trading back makes the most sense. But I just, you know, we know Tom Telesco yeah. doesn't do that. So, yeah, I think for me, when it comes to like the Khalil Mack and not having the second round pick. It doesn't change how I feel. Like, I'm so happy that Kalumak is on this team. But what it changes is, for me, is the strategy in the first mm-hmm. round. Because I think if you have your first and your second round pick, you can afford to take a bigger swing in the first round on maybe kind of a, a higher upside, lower floor kind of player, like a Trevor Penning, who I'm not, like, the biggest fan of. But, you know, if you have 17 and, say, 46 or 47 or wherever they were slated, and you know, at 47, you can get a talented immediate starter or contributor at edge or at corner, then I'm kind of okay with taking the developmental tackle at 17. But now, because you don't have that second round pick and now there's 50 picks in between your first and next pick, I'm not looking to take on a developmental player. I'm looking for an immediate contributor, whether Mm -hmm. that's a guard or a receiver or a corner or wherever you decide. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, you know, if you're in the top 20, picks i mean you should be drafting you would hope a day one starter or at least yeah. a fringe starter not a not a uh trey pipkins right <laughs> who's gonna have to develop <laughs> behind guys and you're gonna have yeah. to teach things out of him and whatnot that's not what you want in those top those top 20 selection areas so um yeah i mean it's it's gonna be really fun to watch steven because it's just like this board can fall so many ways it's the, it's the first year i can remember where there's so much uncertainty like obviously every year there's obviously every year there's some uncertainty but this year there's so much just because a the quarterback class is weak b like no one has a true number one player at most like almost every position has like differing opinions right like i feel like last year it was like far and away like jamar chase was the number one receiver it was like (laughs) pretty damn close it was penai sewell or sean slater your tackles right this year it's like so many different opinions from one through five at like every position it's crazy yeah, I mean, you know, last year we knew everybody knew that the first three picks were going to be quarterbacks. Yeah. And then the next three picks, you knew that Jamar Chase, Penesul, Kyle Pitts, probably in some kind of order. Yep. And then you kind of, you know, draft starts at seven kind of mentality. This year, I mean, Trayvon Walker is now the favorite for number one, which we both think is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, now there's talk today that the New York Jets would take jermaine johnson over Kayvon thibodeau i mean there's all the sauce garner range like really i have like no clue what what happens like what if the detroit lions 
take Kayvon Thibodeau over Aiden Hutchinson? Then kind of what happens? What if the Jaguars take Iki Iquanu instead of a pass rusher like everybody thinks? Yeah. Like, I think there's just so much intrigue at the top. And then you have the Panthers and their desperation for a quarterback. I mean, the Steelers need a quarterback. The Saints in that trade and kind of how that's looming over everything. There's just like so many possibilities that can happen. And obviously the Chargers just kind of sitting there at 17, you know, waiting to see what happens in front of them. Yeah, which I think they're in a good spot. I know it's a, it's a weird situation. You said it's a tough situation, but I think overall it's a, it's a good spot. Obviously we, you know, it'd be nice to be higher up, blah, 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 blah. But um, question for you, this is going to be off topic a little bit, but do you think Baker Mayfield gets dealt on draft day? Like, let's say, mm. I know the Panthers have come out and said they're not trading for him before the draft, but let's say right. the draft kicks off and they're like, all right, you know what? Like, let's go after Baker now. Um, do you think that any possibility that happens? I mean, never say never, of course. I would think that the Panthers or the Seahawks, who are kind of the two likely teams, really the only teams who need a starter, I think they would kind of prefer to wait and see how the draft pans out. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Matt, Corral went, Matt Corral went very, very high in the LAFB mock drafts that we yeah. did. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, if the Seahawks can maybe trade back up to like 32 with the Lions or 31 with the Bengals or something and get Matt Corral there, then obviously that takes another, you know, chess piece off the board. And, you know, the, the Panthers don't have, they don't have draft capital to trade this year. Like yeah, they need to make these picks. And so yeah. if you take a Charles Cross at six or Evan Neal or whichever one kind of is left, then after the draft, you know, in the next couple of weeks say, Hey, uh, we would like Baker Mayfield. Like how can we make this happen? So I, I lean towards it happening after for Baker. Yeah, it'll be the last time I can remember it kind of happening was in was it 20 it was in baker's was it no it was, it was a kyler murray's draft when the cardinals I drafted murray and then traded rosen like around yeah. later or like not even around later like an hour later all of a sudden they traded rosen <laughs> to the dolphins so i would be interested to see if like okay the panthers take a tackle and then say you know what cleveland has no um ground to stand on like they already signed Deshaun watson they're already paying him a ton of money like we can get baker for literally a fifth round 2023 pick like why wouldn't we do that so i'll yeah. be interested to see uh, like you said you know going back a little bit i do think the chargers are really in a fantastic position i think you know tom telesco has never traded down but i do think that this is a, as good of a year as any because they don't they don't need a receiver like i'm sure they could take a chris olave or jameson williams if he falls but you know like let's say the packers really want one or the titans or the cowboys or whatever mm-hmm. you know the steelers taking a quarterback some kind of movement around the Titans potentially taking a quarterback. So I think the Chargers are in a good perspective from that standpoint. And, and they could just stick and pick. I mean, everybody knows how much I love Zion Johnson. Uh, Albert Breer did say that he's in play at 17, which, of course, uh, would make me very, very happy. Um, but any uh, any player to you that you would be, like, most pleased with at 17 for the Chargers that you think could be a good fit going forward? Well, Zion Johnson, I think, is is very good. And I know I've seen some people say, okay, well, you know, trade down and then take Zion, which is in a perfect world, obviously. But if he's, you if never he's know. their guy, yeah, if he's their guy and they feel good about him, I think that's a great pick because then you have a center, uh, not a center, but a centerpiece uh, on the interior of the offensive line for many years to come. Um, and you're just continuing to build for the future there. And, and I know we've talked about it and I'm sure you guys have, but you know, about kicking Matt Filer, I know that's not the best case scenario, but at least it's, at least it's on the table. You can do that. If a guy like Zion falls, um, you know, I, I like the corners 
I like Trent McDuffie if he were to fall there. Um, I don't think there's any way in the world that Derek Stanley falls, but obviously if he does, that's a slam dunk. I think that's probably the pick if yeah. he does fall. Um, you know, Jordan Davis is a big name. There was the hot name early on. I'm not as high on him, but I'm not low on him either. I mean, I think it's a solid pick, but I think what they did in the off season at the position, they don't really need to do that by any means. Um, and it, it just kind of depends if who's there with him, right? Like if, if your top receivers are all gone, your top tackles are all gone. Um, and you, you don't want to take a guard yet in Zion Johnson, then maybe that is the pick. But I think that there's better value at other positions that are more needed right now. The last one I'll say, and I know this is, um, I talked about on my show that we just recorded not too long ago. And I know me and you have kind of touched on it a little bit and it would probably shock a ton of people, but I, I, I think, you know, a player like Devin Lloyd would be interesting here at 17 because it's a, to me, it's a position of need. It's, uh, you know, when you're going into the season with a somewhat hobbled and still unknown Kenneth Murray and a Drew Tranquil that plays good when healthy, but rarely is healthy. And you can get a backer like Devin Lloyd that may be the best, you know, inside off ball linebacker that we've seen in quite some time, in my opinion, even though for some reason he's mocked in the twenties. Um, I mean, I know how much you love Devin Lloyd as a player, not necessarily for the Chargers, but as a player from Utah, um, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that would be my absolute favorite pick, but I would actually like it. And I think there's a lot to be said where, you know, I know there's talk about Staley doesn't value linebackers, which I think is very true to an extent, especially when it comes to signing backers. But, you know, he was on that Chicago team with the Kanjo when they took Roquan Smith in the top 10 and he became a That's very, true. very good backer for the Chicago bears. And Brandon Staley was instrumental in the development of, of Roquan Smith. So um, it wouldn't shock me as much as I'm sure other people would be shocked. I know it'd be very controversial. I don't think it would be hated. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be hated as much yeah. as like a Trevor Penning pick would be, but it'd be more of a head scratcher. Like, what are we doing here? But Staley wasn't there when they drafted Kenneth Murray. So yeah, I could, I could see it. No, I mean, in terms of the fan perspective, right? Like I see a bunch of fan wish lists and it's like, uh, won't hate. And they put Devin Lloyd in that category. And I'm like, Devin is a really freaking good football player. Like, I do think yeah. that Devin Lloyd, you know, is the kind of linebacker that Staley would love to have. I just don't know. I, I, I what I know about Brandon Staley is that he's going to pay place a premium value on premium positions. And I just don't know if the linebacker position is that for him. And I also think this linebacker class is really deep. I think you can get quality starters, uh, you know, later on in the draft. So, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I've been so conflicted throughout this whole process with Devin Lloyd and the Chargers because obviously I, I love him. I, he's one of my favorite Utah football players of all time, and he's a really good football player. Like it's not just yeah. me, you know, and my Utah bias. So it definitely is a need. He's a great football player. I do think that would be a, a good pick, but I just don't know if Brandon Staley would be willing to, you know, spend that premium of a pick on a linebacker. Yeah. Well, and, and in just, just my opinion, and this is not any insider information, but in my opinion, I think he goes higher than where he's getting mocked anyway. Like I, everyone's mocking him in the twenties yeah. um, as the first backer taken. And I know that the defenses has kind of shifted a little bit, but we've seen when you have a backer like a Bobby Wagner, which I think Devin Lloyd has that ceiling to be, um, you know, we saw Isaiah Simmons go sixth overall just, you know, two right. years ago and just, uh, or not six overall, but what do you go seven right after Justin Herbert? Um, yeah. or he went, yeah, yeah. Right after Herbert. So, I mean, we've seen still teams that do value that, that super Uber talent. So I think he ends up going higher anyway, but if he's there at 17, I I'm about it depending who's there, obviously. 
Yeah. I if mean, Charles Draven... Cross is there at 17, then yeah, that's the pick. But... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think if you're in a world, right, where it's like, you know, you're debating between potentially Devin Lloyd and Chris Olave and Zion Johnson, then I'm, there's definitely an argument to be had that Devin Lloyd fills the biggest position of need and he is the mm-hmm. best player on the board. So, you know, again, I will be very happy if Devin Lloyd is a charger. I'm buying that jersey the second it happens. <laughs> but it's just gonna it's just a really interesting spot in terms of roster building philosophy and positional value for a guy like Devin Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say with Staley in, in regards to the backer position is when he looks at that specific like if he's running like out of nickel and dime sets and only has one backer on the field the guy needs to be able to cover but also be great in run defense and a guy like um kaiser white who you know became beloved had a breakout season but and again we've all talked pff is not the end all be all but it's a good measuring stick you know he graded out at like 61 in run defense well Devin lloyd graded out over 80 in both coverage and both run defense so he kind of checks those boxes as hey if we're going one backer sets this guy can do it all, and now I can really focus on my secondary and my defensive line strategy because I have that one backer I can put on the island and really cover both facets. Where Kaiser White, as good as he grew to be, he still really wasn't that do-it-all guy that we could really trust. So that's where I think there is that value that could end up coming into play because they saw what he was able to do for his entire time at Utah. Yeah, well, see, this is why I'm glad we have you on because we haven't talked a whole lot about Devin Lloyd going to the Chargers because it's just – you know, the, the three of us don't really think that it's something that would happen. So different perspectives are always important. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here and not necessarily talk about specific players that you like for the Chargers on day two or day three. Of course, you can mention them. But what's kind of your preference in terms of strategy, maybe positions more so than anything else that you think the Chargers should look to do on day two? Of course, they only have the one third round pick and then uh, day three as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's overstated, but all, all depends on what they end up doing at 17 um, to shift things. But I think you, you at some point, obviously, you need to get another secondary guy. Um, and you could probably use both safety and um, corner. You know, we saw yeah. how the injuries stacked up at safety, really. And um, I think me and you are both pretty high on Mark Webb. I was, I was pretty high on him last year when they drafted in the second round, but obviously, unfortunately, just couldn't stay healthy. I think he'll be, you know, obviously healthy going into the year, but they, they do want to have, some more draft capital allocated for that position. I think Staley has a good eye for that position as he's kind of proven throughout his track record in coaching. Um, So I would definitely see a day three, you know, safety value. I think day two, um, well, just that third really. Okay. Let's talk first about the third because the third is so contingent. I think on like 17, like if they go receiver or Devin Lloyd or corner, it's like, you almost have to take some sort of offensive lineman, right? In the yeah. third, you like have to at that point. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily have to take a tackle because you don't want to reach, but there has to be some sort of offensive lineman that you take. So, um, which I could see definitely being the play if, because I think there'll just be more value at 17 outside of the tackles. So I think the third round pick is probably looking like an offensive lineman. And then when we get to, you know, four through seven, as I mentioned, the safety, a corner, I think a running back is a good need. I like Keonta Ingram. I'm, I'm always biased towards the LA guys just because I know them better. Obviously I watch every game of theirs, like live in person. Um, But Keonta Ingram's a a back that, you know, they can probably get late. I think he mixes really well with Austin Eckler and he has 
not a lot of wear on his tires. Like he transferred from Texas last year to USC and still barely had a hundred carries. So the guy is not someone coming in like those Wisconsin backs that are, you know, averaging 300 touches a year. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's a very underutilized running back that has a good skill set, great speed, can break tackles. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to take it back probably at some point with the, one of those picks. So um, I'm sure we can get more into it, but without just being super long winded here, I think safety corner, and then offensive line in the third, and then a running back at some point in those late rounds. And then if you don't do a receiver in the first, you got to get some sort of speed receiver at, at some point, I think, um, which there's which there's a bevy yeah. of them, luckily. So I think yeah. they have options there. In that specific position group, the Chargers have done a, a ton of homework on mm-hmm. those kind of day three receivers. So that's, that's the thing, at least for me at that position, if they're not taking Chris Olave or Jamison Williams at 17, I think they honestly wait until like late in the draft, like round six, seven, yeah. to kind of address that spot. Um, you mentioned Keontae Ingram. I've talked a lot about him on our show a little bit because he's he's always kind of my, okay, I can't find a running back in the third round, in the fourth round, the fifth round. Okay, I'm just going to take Keontae Ingram late in the sixth round. Like that's <laughs> that, that's always the go-to mock draft pick for me. Yeah. Um, but I do, again, I think he's a really good player. And, you know, you mentioned pro football focus and it being a good resource. Uh, Keontae Ingram actually has a higher elusiveness rating than Brees Hall who is kind of the consensus RB1 in this draft. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm working on an all-underrated team article for LAFB. Selfish plug, go check it out. Uh, and Keontae Ingram it has some, like, legitimately good data to kind of prop up how we are feeling about him. And I think he's a really fantastic player. Yeah, well, I think his, I think his draft stock is kind of rising, too, it seems yeah. like, in, the, in these last few weeks. Like, I've seen some people start, he's, like, top five in their running backs. <laughs> like who knows where those running backs are taken, but I've seen yeah. him climb into their, their big board for running backs. So I, I think he's a talented player that uh, a lot, not a lot of people know about, but um, even with USC, when he came in, like Bavai Malapaya was like the unquestioned starter. And by week four, it was Keontae Ingram, like hands down, like took over that backfield and was their featured back, which isn't saying much with how poor that offense ran, but, <laughs> but he was him and him and Drake London were basically the two bright spots and that was it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's so important, though, like for these running backs, right? Because, you know, not all of them are going to come into the NFL with ideal situations. And, you know, they've got to be able to have that skill set for me to be able to make things happen when your offensive line is is not really doing <laughs> doing very well. And your quarterback yeah. is not somebody that can kind of stretch the field and you're playing against stack boxes. So I think it is an important skill set to have. It's definitely something that I've kind of leaned on. Granted, like. You know, there's always these attributes that are influenced that we look for from, you know, players that we loved. And so, like, all the running backs that I – like, all my running back knowledge, like, I always lean back on, like, my influences of LT, right? Like, just that guy who's able to make people miss at any moment. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any kind of elusiveness, if you can't make people miss in the hole as a running back, I'm out. Like, I I do not – it's not my kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, we all stem like from some sort of historical data point or fanhood or something. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of look at it the same way. And um, the one position we, I didn't mention, but obviously needs to be mentioned. You can probably touch more on it, but I, I mean, edge is probably a position yeah. you're going to have to take eventually. Cause there's just, there's no depth there. So you're going right. to have to add someone in those mid tier rounds. Um, and I mean, would it shock you? Would it shock the world if they went edge at 17? If one of these big names falls, I mean, it would take, it would have to take a fall. I mean, the George Karloftis thing is really interesting. He's, you know, kind of perceived as potentially falling out of the second round. Yeah. I don't think he really is a clean fit for what Staley really likes. And this, this is a good 
you know, edge rusher class. You know, we mm-hmm. can talk about another USC guy, Drake Jackson. I think there's Mind J Sanders, who's been, you know, kind of uh, forgotten about in this edge rusher class. You know, Nick Bonito, uh, D'Angelo Malone, like that group of players could be an option for them in the second and the third round. But again, like if they take a receiver or a corner in the first round, that third round pick is almost has to be an offensive lineman of some sort. And then yeah. you're kind of in the developmental edge rusher crowd after that. So it's just going to be a really interesting balancing act that the Chargers are going to be using this year. Uh, again, one of the reasons why I wish that they could trade back or, you know, be aggressive on day two and, and use some of those compensatory picks and trade up into the draft and kind of solidify the trenches a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they could somehow get back in that second round, that would be best case scenario, I think. Cause then they could, they, I mean, I think in the first round, they definitely will, will go BPA in some regard um, overall, yeah. but it'll be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be, yeah. <laughs> Who knows how the board's going to fall. That's what makes it so yeah. fun. It's going to be so exciting, man. So many possibilities. Uh, we'll get you out of here, out of here on this. I always like to ask my uh, guests this question. Uh, any favorite sleepers that you like, that you feel like maybe be a little underrated, a little disrespected throughout this process? Oh man. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I, I have a few, but I'll stick with my, my LA roots. I love Kyle Phillips at a UCLA. I mean, yeah. he's, I think he has like a fourth or fifth round grade by most people, which is probably well he'll end up going, but um, I think he's just a special player. You know, he's not your, your burner, which I think he fits for the chargers, but he's not like the receiver, the chargers fans want, right. They want your four, three speed burner guy that can fit differently. But Kyle yeah. Phillips is just truly a do it all possession receiver, um, we got to have it. I mean, he's kind of similar in that aspect to Keenan Allen, I guess, but you know, different size, a couple different intangibles. He's also a return guy, so They could use him in their turn game. I know they, they signed a return guy to Washington. So they don't really need that, but um, he has that in his back pocket. Also had a punt return touchdown last year that was electrifying. So uh, he absolutely tore it up. At the shrine bowl was uncoverable at the shrine bowl. Um, and so I think he's a guy that teams know his value. Um, you know, I was at UCLA games and there were a number of scouts there and their scouts were probably watching Sean Ryan and, and him and Greg, Greg Dulcich were probably the three players they were watching. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think the media or fans have really caught into how special a player he can be. And he has, I know it's, it's such an annoying comparison comparing, you know, two white receivers, but he has kind of that Cooper cup vibes where he'll be a mid round selection, but can really become a staple in an offense and be a really productive receiver uh, two or three years into his career and kind of, you know, surprise people like, man, we got this guy in the fourth round. He's, he's averaging nine to 1200 yards a year. So I think he has that kind of value and someone that people should, should, uh, start taking notice of. Yeah, man. I, I think the Kyle Phillips talk, he, he got a little bit of a surge after the shrine bowl and mm-hmm. now it's kind of died down after teams are kind of, you know, looking into more of the, the bigger physical guys or like the faster guys. And I think he's being unfairly, penciled in as a slot only player because he could do a lot of different things for your football yep. team I mean, if you go back and watch some of the 2020 games ucla was using him as kind of a running back receiver hybrid in a few games and so he can play on the outside i think he's 511 and, and close to six feet tall so it's not like he's a 58 slot guy only kind yeah. of player so i like phillips a lot he uh and made my top 10 list initially and then i really got into bo melton and a couple other receivers jaquari mm. roberts robertson uh, but he's still in my top 12, man. I, I really like Kyle Phillips for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch. It's just a good team guy, team leader. 
um, which I know, you know, is something important that these teams look for too, not just the talent. They got to see what these guys are like in the locker room. And Kyle Phillips is, is all that in spades. So um, interesting. I'm interested to see where he goes. I was, you know me, I was so high on Dimitri Felton last year who yeah. I was like, there's no way this guy goes past like the fifth, fourth or fifth round. He went in the sixth. <laughs> um, but I think he turned out some good stuff with Cleveland and we'll have a bigger role this year. But Phillips, I think, um, yeah, I think he's in that probably fourth round range or so. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Ryan, this has been great, man. Lots of good, uh, different topics here. Where can, uh, some of our listeners find your guys' stuff over at, uh, LAFB and, uh, some of mine, I guess as well. <laughs> yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. Obviously you guys are, are crushing it. Excited to hang out with all you guys at the draft. Um, yeah, as, as you know, Steven writes for LAFB, so make sure to check out all the stuff. But you can find me at Ryan Dyer LFB on Twitter site is just LAFB network. All of our, you know, 12 podcasts and shows are all how is there so pretty easy to find so but thanks man fun as always yeah and uh if you're a fan of usc you know you got to be able to check out sua craven's upcoming podcast as well on the lafb network so lots of great stuff happening uh make sure and check us out over there ryan thanks for joining me man yeah dude thanks for having me appreciate it i'll talk to you later everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.